we have these crossroads. And you know, either way you choose, your life is going to be different. The universe doesn't exist, but God thinks it does. We have to stop consuming our culture. We have to create culture. Stupidity has a definite evolutionary function. I am all for abolishing stupidity, but before it goes, we should pay tribute to it. Greetings and welcome to the Nonsense Bazaar. We're your hosts. I'm Willow Truman. I'm Sequoia Kennedy. And oh boy. Oh boy. I'm ready to regale you with yet another tale of mind control and <laughs> secret agents. <laughs> regale me. Regale me. Oh, I'm going to. Lay it on me. This is going to be a fun one, Sequoia. Okay. And this um this is going to have a lot of callbacks and flavors of past episodes that we've done. Variations on a theme. Yes, indeed. We're going to be talking about Project Mannequin and a man named James Caspel. But before we get into all of that, I, this is relevant. Okay. Do you remember back in 2016 when QAnon was really starting to ramp up and there was this whole hullabaloo over the Getty Museum in Los Angeles harboring underground tunnels filled with children? There was like this whole thing. No. Okay. I do and other people will. And a lot of people won't. So that's why we're talking about it. Okay. It was dubbed <laughs> hashtag Occupy the Getty. My goodness. This I didn't even know Getty had a museum. Yeah. The Getty Museum. I just thought they did, you know, pictures. Oh, it's a whole thing. They're like uh, a, a whole big deal. Okay. Learn something new every day. Uh-huh. Well... This idea about the, the underground tunnels beneath the Getty Museum began with a dude named Stephen D. Kelly. Okay. And Stephen Kelly was the author of an autobiographical book called Lasers, Cavers, and Magic that he self-published in 2012. This is just Richard Shaver? There are a lot of flavors of that <laughs> oh, episode. No. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, Sequoia, would you please read the description of this book? Sure. A normal guy with a wife and kids finds his normal life spiraling into the surreal world of CIA agents, UFOs, and secret underground bunkers. This true story shows the author slowly going from the early from early exposure to CIA, NSA, to aliens and UFOs, from inventing laser weapon systems to becoming an energy healer and Reiki master, from Templars and Bilderbergers to healing the world with human energy. Many stunning secrets revealed guaranteed to wake you up. <laughs> yes. Hell yeah. So, so this is the man behind the uh, Occupy the Getty movement. And it was the same year, 2012, which was a big year for conspiracies, if we'll remember. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is when Steven started to go public with his claims about the Getty Museum. Oh, wait. This is what he looks like right here. Yes, yeah, and that <laughs> Hell, yeah. So Stephen Kelly claims to be an electro-optical engineer and inventor of laser sighting systems for weapons. Okay. He also claimed to be a contractor for the CIA and NSA. Right, right. And uh, throughout Stephen Kelly's career, he was supposedly given glimpses into a literal underworld of black budget intrigue. An intercontinental network of subterranean castles powered with Tesla technology connected by supersonic trains. Oh my. Eventually, he severed all ties with the intelligence community to become a whistleblower and started hosting a weekly radio show in Los Angeles, where he spread the word that the famous art museum is actually a fortress guarding an underground pleasure palace and satanic temple. Holy shit, I can't believe I missed this radio show. This sounds like, sounds like the best radio ever. Here's a promo that he uh, created to help spread the word. 
truthcatradio.com. <laughs> All right, let's just break this down right now to the nuts and bolts, and that is this is not a war against Jews, Nazis, <laughs> Chinese, Americans, Russians, whatever. This is greedy, selfish people against generous people. That is it. That's the best way I can say it because this is service to self versus service to others. And that's where that's why we have to occupy the Getty because we have to completely destroy this damn system and bring it completely back to square one so that we can rebuild it in the model that it should be, that it has been corrupted for almost 25 million years. And then we can have paradise and then we can have all these things that everybody should have and we could get rid of this every single horrible thing that we that we can imagine and our reality is crap <laughs> we don't know any better we could have such a better reality but it's not going to happen if we continue to keep our brains stuck in this stupid reality so we gotta so go fuck up a TV museum and we're yeah. bitching about the things they tell us to bitch about we complain about the things that they do to us we don't go anywhere that's why we occupy the getty we go straight to their secret bunker, we go straight to their throne room, and we take that throne, and we seize their power, and we make them bow down to us and do what we say. And that's the only way this is going to end. Any fake charity, any fake Nisera, Jacera, any fake alien invasion, ah. it doesn't matter. No war on Earth, no political party, no human is going to do anything. Only when we go underground and we end what's going on underground and we clean out those bunkers. Does anything on the surface of the earth change? <laughs> yeah. So. Wow. What The music. It's, it's amazing. beautiful. It's it beautiful. Is. It's beautiful. Um, somehow, like, his claims gained such popularity and notoriety that popular news outlets like USA Today had to publish articles with titles like Fact Check. False claim that thousands of children are beneath the Getty Museum. Like, this is being acknowledged by mainstream news sources. Wow. You know, and you can go to this guy's website, childrenunderthegetty.com. It's madness. It's absolute madness. Uh, uh. <laughs> but yeah, um, this whole thing probably flew under a lot of people's radars, but it's very relevant to our topic today. Because, mm. like, this idea of underground cities underground bases sure yeah it's not new no by any means no like humans as a species we've been fascinated by the concept of unseen subterranean civilizations and worlds forever man's gotta dig yeah seriously <laughs> and like for example just the archetype of the underworld right yeah itself yeah, yeah, yeah. you know yeah, it like, exists across religions and cultures throughout time. We've all had some concept of what goes on underneath. Yeah. You no. Know? Yeah. The the chthonic uh, versus like I guess like celestial uh, deities and spirits and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So like for a lot of cultures, like that underworld kind of looks like a land of the dead. You know. Yeah. But what's interesting is that in other cultures. It looks more like a mirror world. Mm. Like the mythology of the Igbo people in Western Africa, super yeah. interesting. And uh, I bring all of this up because when we finally get to it, I want us to think about today's topic through the lens of mythology and symbols okay. and archetypes. I just think that that's an interesting way sure. to think about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Specifically how James Casbolt crafts his personal mythology. Okay. 
I'm intrigued. Yeah, I'm, I'm just priming our minds yeah. to take something that's kind of stupid and maybe extract some wisdom from it, hmm. you know? Or take something wise and extract some <laughs> stupidity from yes. it. Yes. Yes, precisely. That's kind of what we do here at the oh, Nonsense Bazaar. It is. So, Igbo mythology. This world. Our world. Balance the scales. Yes. <laughs> our Sorry. world is one universe in a set of two. Balance the scales. Oh. So, we live on a natural level, the human world, Uwa. Okay. But alongside us is the spirit world, which can be seen as a sort of mirror world to ours. Everything there looks like the same as here. The idea of duality is a very important and recurring theme in Igbo mythology. And as such, there are mirror people living there, mirrored versions of us. And these are the Chi. The Chi. Guardian spirits who have a say in the destiny of their human. They're attached to us. Interesting. So there's one Igbo myth about a famed wrestler, this like very muscular man who had defeated all of his opponents effortlessly. And having defeated every single opponent in the human world, he decides, I'm going to go to the spirit world. I'm going to wrestle spirits. And once again, he beats challenger after challenger in the spirit world until there's nobody in sight. Can you imagine being so angry and being so good at beating people up that you beat the shit out of all humans in the world? So then you go to the spirit world and beat the shit out of everything there? Can you imagine? And his name is John Cena! <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, I hear no, he's a very nice man. Sequoia, it's John Cena. John Cena! John Cena. <laughs> yeah, so the spirits, understandably, um, they don't enjoy this, and they beg the man just to get the... Get, like, go, please leave. And finally, after he beats the shit out of everyone there, a final <laughs> challenger approaches, and it's his own chi. It's John Cena. Oh, shit. And being the mirrored image of the man, his chi is very skinny and physically weak. You know, and the wrestler kind of just laughs at him. But the man's chi overpowers him effortlessly, wrestles him to the ground, and beats him to death. <laughs> so while the chi are our guardians and protectors, they're also our weaknesses. Mm. We should take care not to insult them. It's like where they're charged. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like that, like that spirit like killed that dude like you would your pet dog if it went fucking nuts <clears throat> and started killing people. Yeah. You know? Hmm. Fascinating. Right. And I find this like spiritual doppelganger concept as it relates to the underworld so fascinating because this week as I was looking into underworld myths across cultures, something that kept coming up was the theme of twins and like what do twins symbolize, you know, encountering the self in the other, the mirror, the shadow, you know, being the same but being different, this very human I don't know if you would call it a problem, but a human condition, perhaps. Yeah, it's exemplary of the yeah. human condition. And I, sure. I noticed that like twins kept coming up in all sorts of creation and death myths across mm. the board. Yeah. Um, Stephen Kelly, the guy who started the Occupy the Getty movement, actually sure. has a twin named Norman who assists him with remote viewing experiments. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and I also learned that the Aztec god Shalot who's the dark-aspected twin of Quetzalcoatl. Mm. Uh, this god is a dog-headed figure that guides souls to the underworld and rules over things like fire, misfortunes, death, and and twins. Mm. 
And that's, it's just fascinating to me, this idea that twins would be connected with birth and, and death so yeah. closely. Yeah, yeah. And also like, well, never mind. I'm thinking about the end product of the alchemical magnum opus, the great work. It's this like two-headed hermaphroditic being. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this sun and moon correspondence, male and female, like the um, con- like a conjoined twin, basically. Yeah. And that is like the result of the great work is like the twins finally being conjoined together. Yeah. Um, fa- just fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, that, it's it's like the as above, so below. The macrocosm is the microcosm, right. and like the great work of. Unif- uh, it was Crowley said that like the great work is uh, unifying the microcosm with the macrocosm mm-hmm. because this is a world very much based on duality. I mean, we're only here yeah, it's like a sort of experience a opposites, false duality. Yeah, yeah. So this Aztec god Shalat, right? He has a dog head, and mm-hmm. again, what does that make us think about when we think about recurring symbols and the underworld? Um, Anubis. Anubis, yeah. Like this dog-headed figure of the underworld, or Cerberus, like this other, this dog that guards the underworld. Uh, Hecate. Yeah. uh, Her, like, chief animal is uh, the dog. Mm -hmm. She's the goddess of ghosts and lost souls, among many other dope-ass things. Right. So, yeah, there's many different cultures that have different conceptions of the underworld, but that contain overlapping symbology in a very interesting way. And for better or worse, this deep underground military-based stuff is part of our 21st century Western conception of the underworld. That's just part of our mythology. I'm sorry. The Shaver Mysteries, deep underground military-based, wow. Dolphy-based, yeah. yeah. that, yeah, 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 that's yeah. our mythology that's building. Yep. yep. This is what's yep. going to be in, in our myths. Yep. Yep. Holy fuck. So that's why I think it's important to talk about this. Yep. Because today we're talking about a man whose chi would totally beat the shit out of him. <laughs> and I'm sure is aching to. Well, who, who among us can say otherwise? <laughs> well. This man is named James Casbolt. Okay. A dude who literally believes he was injected with wolf DNA and is some genetically, cybernetically, and psychically enhanced sleeper assassin dog man James Bond blowing the whistle on deep underground bases. <laughs> and before we go any further, let's pull our tarot card. Yeah, fuck yeah. The world. Oh, wow. Okay. So fascinating. So it all comes together. Yeah. Culmination of all the mm-hmm. all the things, and I like how it has um, the eagle, the man, the ox, and the lion all in the four corners. Yep, the uh, four fixed signs of the zodiac. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. The world. The world. Yeah, it's Trump of Saturn, the last of the Trumps. So we will talk about that more at the end of the episode, but that's something that we can have in the back of our minds as we talk about this. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> There's a man who leads a life of danger To everyone he meets, he stays a stranger Every move he makes, another chance he takes Odds are he won't live to see tomorrow
It really does sound like he's saying secret Asian man. It really, really does. <laughs> All right. So who is James Casbolt? Who is James Casbolt? That's what I've been trying to fucking figure out since I began researching this episode. <laughs> honestly, honestly, who is he? I don't know, because I found multiple different names. James Casbolt, a.k.a. Michael Prince. I don't know. <laughs> Michael, he was born in 1972. Okay. Supposedly, he was a genetically enhanced Anunnaki human hybrid baby. My God. Yeah, but like, so his his DNA was crafted like in a lab, but then they injected it into a woman to impregnate him, but she didn't know that she was like part of the experiment. And mm. then when she gave birth to him, he was then taken away from her and taken into the experiment. Ah. Yeah, so that's, that's his mythology. And supposedly, that's the... The same year, 1972, that top secret project IBIS began. Mm. That's what he originally referred to it as. Later, it would come to be known as Project Mannequin, and his myths would become hard to decipher because they would sort of start to, to change. But okay. originally, Project IBIS. Uh, James was born and bred to take part in this project, along with 41 other children who had alien DNA. They were All chosen right. because, you know, they had special DNA. Yeah. And they were all candidates to become the Antichrist <laughs> and bring about end times. Okay. Yes. And here's where we're going to have our first callback. Okay. The project was started by a man named Dr. Green. Dr. Green. Dr. Green. And if we'll, we'll remember our Project Monarch episode, mm -hmm. Dr. Green is the code name for Mengele. Joseph Mengele. Yep. Mm. It's an epic crossover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so James had a, a rough childhood being in Project Ibis, Sequoia, if you please, in a British accent, because James is British. Oh, God. Or I'm glad to do it. No, I can do it. Okay. Oh, it was with a group of babies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What the hell is, how, do they, how do British people say I? I, I, was, with, I was with a group I, of babies in this building, and we were under armed guard 24 hours a day. Kind of animal pen was set up in this building with large screens placed in the corners of the pen. We'd be put in this area and various animals would be put in with us. <laughs> Snakes, wolves, cats, and other types. Not all at the same time, but one type of animal at a time. Faces would be put on the screens. They would talk to us when we were in the pen. I saw the face of the Queen Mother and George Bush Sr. on many occasions. When they had our attention, their faces would appear to shapeshift into part human, part animal. The babies would be learning to take on the attributes of the wild animals. Later in life, I would be a jungle warfare expert with all the abilities of various wild animals, tracking and such. I remember when we were about two years old, one of the children in the pen was trying to take the toy from another. The child took on snake-like facial expressions and hissed at the first child. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I shifted. I was I had like a range of like a hundred miles in England that I was just like, or in, in the UK that I was just going back and forth. Yeah. Every other word. Forgive us, British listeners. You, you don't have to. Or don't. You don't have to forgive us. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need your forgiveness. <laughs> one of my favorite things in the world is hearing bad american accents yeah and like when I people love it. do what i've noticed that when british people do an american accent they always go for valley girl or like southern yeah well the southern's easy because it's distinctive even though i mean there's a ton of it different is. southern accents like south carolina is different than tennessee it's i'd love to hear a british person try to do a boston accent it would, it would probably be so foreign for their lips to try to make those ah, sounds. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It might be might be easier. Like, it, it is, like, non, non-rhotic, non I believe. Like, it, it drops the R, like, a lot of... Uh, that's the thing. Like, you hear, like, the standard American accent is the over-pronunciation of the R, is what people go for. American, you know? Yeah. All right. James Casbolt. All right. 
He's in a pen. He's in an animal pen with a bunch of babies, and yeah. and they've got a screen with George Bush Senior's face popping up on it and shape shifting into like different animals. Why <laughs> <laughs> uh, is this? At one point later in his training as a young boy, the German scientist, t- because this is a Nazi-run project, by the way, right? Take him and some of the other kids to Brazil to visit with indigenous shamans. Ooh. Because you know they're going to a variety of countries for programming you know they're get this is quite luxurious mm. you know worldwide all expenses paid vacation they get to go to brazil meet with shamans dance around a fire they use their collective energy to firebend and they're they're taught how to you know walk like an egyptian mm-hmm. around the fire and they're like doing all sorts of bullshit. Do that. yeah nice and the shamans are all super impressed and they're like, yeah, this one especially. This one's special. This one can walk like an Egyptian real good. So the kids are taken back to the facility and they're all told that they're modern day fire gods. The fuck is <laughs> Okay. Um, some other highlights of their time in Brazil. They perform a presidential fitness test for George Bush Sr., who's just like blown away by James's ability to climb a rope. Just incredible. <laughs> like <laughs> they're just demonstrating their athleticism. Sure. They're also given vials of blood that contain animal and ET DNA infused with nanites. Wow. So they drink the blood and they also get injected with the nanite blood sometimes. And which then turns the children into part AI and gives them the ability to shapeshift and take on animal attributes. They're like turning into animals. Animals are parasites. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh yeah, the yerks. Yeah, yeah. Some kinky shit. It's ugh, kinky. <laughs> this is not what? No, okay. Nothing. No. <laughs> mind control parasites. Just leaving that there. Yeah. There's a reason why I'm drawn to these mind control things. It's an audio medium, but I just uh, gave a frown and threw my hands up in the air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey. So... Dr. Green also teaches James how to do delightful things like um, kill birds and drink their blood. Ah. Uh, James gets tortured. He tortures other people. He's used as a vessel to bring forth interdimensional entities. You ah. know, a whole bunch of shit happens. Right, right. But his memory gets wiped. And oh. As far as James knows, he's just a 12-year-old living with his mom and godmother, Jean. And his dad's a piece of shit criminal who's always in and out of jail. And, you know, they're living in Gene's house. And across from Gene's house is what James calls an MI6 processing center. But to me, it sounds more like they had mandated meetings with youth and child services or something. And he just has bad memories of this and is confusing it. Um, So he describes the place like this. There's a house in the corner full of operatives and offices with people sitting in front of computers and walking around with paperwork. Jean, myself, and my mother, regularly taken from our flat across the street into this place. Manny sometimes comes and gets us, sits in front of me in a, in a room in this place one afternoon around this time. He says to me, do you know why you're here? Just as he finishes these words, his skin turns white like he's having a heart attack. I start to feel sick. I think I'm starting to turn white as well. Yeah, just weird. So when James is 13, um, his godmother, Jean, starts receiving phone calls from an anonymous man who's heavy breathing and making lewd sexual comments. Um. This guy says he's watching her and describes the clothes that she's wearing. And this goes on for months with this man ringing several times a day. 
and she changes her number, but this guy is still calling and calling. Well, Jean stops going out entirely because she's scared. Jesus. She starts sending James up to the shop at the top of the street every day for a bottle of vodka. My Lord. Tells him it's for dinner guests. But later he realizes she's just drinking it herself. Jesus. Eventually she drinks herself to death and he visits her in a hospital just before she dies of liver failure. In James's words. She was not even given morphine as she was dying. We really loved each other and I still miss her. Dad went the same way years later. Drank and drugged himself to death from the programming and died in Doncaster Prison in 2003 from liver failure while serving six months for possession of false passports. Dad was not even allowed home while he was dying and foul plays suspected. The good die young. Yeah. Wow. Right. He's transposed his idea that he's a secret agent onto his father and family as well. Yeah. Which is interesting. So it's very probable that his father just died of liver failure. Oh, and, yeah. You know, I mean, he the idea, the fact that James attributes it to foul play, it just it's demonstrative of his need to reject reality in yeah. favor of something that's more heroic. Yeah, I mean, maybe he was like, like in jail for being in possession of false passports. Maybe he's just like, oh, he was doing some criminal yeah. shit. Oh, he was. Yeah. Selling fake IDs, fake passports, shit. It's bleak. Yeah. And it's kind of hard to make out what actually happened in James's early childhood. But I suspect it's not good, not supportive, not stable, not loving, except for his mom and, and Jean. Sounds like him and Jean really got along well, but she passed away when he yeah. was 13. Also, when he was a young teenager, he liked to walk around with a limp to imitate Tupac, who was his idol. I, which That's not the defining characteristic of Tupac. No. I didn't even know he had a limp. Right. Me yeah, either. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he shouldn't have done that because people would consistently beat the shit out of him (laughs) on one occasion so badly that he required a metal plate in his arm. Jesus. Yeah. There was another time he was beaten so badly he literally thought he was going to die. Of course, this is all self-reported, but he talks about a childhood marred by violence. Yeah. So at age 14, his mom says, enough is enough. We're getting out of this area. And they moved to St. Ives. And this is where James's life really starts to go downhill because he decides he's going to start carrying around weapons all the time now to defend himself. Of this time in James's life, he writes, I thought guns, weapons, and violence were the way to happiness. As people would fear me and not hurt me anymore. Yeah. And this just like explains all of his actions that we're going to talk about later. Mm. Literally all of it. Because he's like throughout all of it, He's just poor, hurt little boy James getting beat up for being poor and being smelly or whatever. And he's just so fucking afraid of everything. And he thinks that this is how to deal with his fear. Right. Is by becoming something fearsome. Mm-hmm. And like, like by, fucking yeah, him. by becoming a fucking action thriller hero assassin with wolf animal powers. So lame. It's so lame. Yeah. It's so fractured. Yeah, it's it's all just stupid. Yep. Uh, so when he's 15, he comes to the attention of police after robbing a supermarket near his home. And this is real. This actually happened. Word. I, I just want to point out that, like, I I started hating myself about three quotes ago for continuing with the British accent, but I'm so deep now that I can't stop. You can switch it up anytime. I wish I'd stuck with, like, the cock, like, oh, I stuck my, my replica Beretta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm going to stop because I'm just embarrassing myself. <laughs> yeah, you can point. just do normal voice. 
I stuck my replica. <laughs> I stuck my replica Beretta pistol in the face of the girl behind the till and demanded the money. My friend made a few of the people who were standing around go to the back of the shop as he held them at gunpoint. The girl went pale and became unresponsive as I demanded the money. I jumped over the counter and tried to open the till myself. I didn't know what button to press, so I began to push randomly. An alarm went off on the till and people in the back of the shop began to shout. I panicked. We ran out of the shop and ran home. We told my father what we'd done and he seemed very proud of me. <laughs> my father hid the replica gun, guns at the back of the flat at the back of the flat for us. The next day, the robbery was on the local news and my father seemed even more proud of me. Jesus. What a way for a father to react, right? Yeah. Oh, yes, son. I'm so proud of you for spending 28 days in Feltham Young Offenders Institution. Jesus. 28 days, I would literally change James forever because if he wasn't fearful of the world before. Right. Like, prison's not going to help. Um, and it didn't. No. Like, so James's relationship with his father is so interesting, which we could already tell from him talking about his father's death and saying, ah, oh, the good die young. Right. You know, right, right, right. Uh, he was he was set up. Um, ostensibly, Peter Casbolt ran a business importing antiques, but actually it was just a front. In reality, he was a drug dealing gangster with a string of properties on the Costa del Sol, the southeast coast of Spain, which was highly regarded for its organized crime reputation in the 1980s. Uh, Peter Casbolt spent a lot of his life in and out of prison and died age 53 from drink and drug induced liver failure in 2003. Hmm. I mean, look, apart from those like last couple sentences, I, mean, I don't know. Yeah. I could go for a couple of string of properties on the coast of Del Sol. Uh, not the organized crime though. Yeah. Um, but hey, organized crime and intelligence do go on to go fucking hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a lot of overlap there. Right. So, you know, James's dad died in 2003. Yeah. Meaning he's 31 at this point. Okay. And he loses his father, who, you know, at a certain point, he used to live with his mother, but then he did move in with his father. Okay. When he was like 17 and he basically turned into a drug runner and like crime buddy with his father. Yeah, he just fully started indulged working. in that lifestyle. Yeah, okay. So my guess for how this whole thing happened, how James came to believe the things that he would come to believe is that his dad dies. Right. And he comes across this online conspiracy stuff and he finds this guy, Barry King. OK. He's probably also doing a whole bunch of cocaine, too. Mm. Drugs. Yeah, maybe. But so here's the thing. Like, how does he come to be introduced to this idea of secret agents, underground bases? Yeah. And how does that become part of his own personal mythology? Well, I'm saying it, it, it is easier. Like, if someone's doing a whole bunch of fucking uppers all the time, it's easier for this stuff to get in. Totally. And like, you know. God, yeah. Start wrapping its, its shit around, around their head. Right. But yeah. So there's this program called The Basis Project with Miles Johnson, which is a bizarre project that began in 1994 by this man, Miles Johnson. I included a picture of him in his studio, if you scroll down a little bit. Okay. Um, it began in 1994 when a man named Barry King stepped forward to discuss with Miles the existence of an NSA-run underground military base in England. Okay. Specifically a base in Peasmore, Berkshire, where they're making programmed generated life forms and non-human cyborg units and 
Barry King knew this because he worked in the genetics lab. So the basis project gains a bit of popularity and it's sort of, it's a very bizarre project where Miles himself doesn't purport that the things that the people he's interviewing are saying are true, but that it is part of a big and important mythos. Oh, weird. It, it is very bizarre. So James finds Barry King. Okay. And he connects with the Barry King story because he too fabricates this idea that he went to the same base in Peasemore that Barry King was at. And mm. a lot of his story starts to resemble Barry King's. At a certain point, him and Barry King even meet up in person. I believe that basically Barry King is acting as a surrogate father figure and in a bid to connect with him and rewrite his own past so that he has a shared one with Barry and so that he has a built-in friend group in this whistleblower super soldier community, James just fabricates this whole secret agent man persona, you know? Yeah. And this whole shit with James and his dad and with Barry King is, it's very, uh... I know we do a lot of stupid bullshit on this show, yeah. but at its base, this is a story about generational trauma. Yeah, I mean, because hmm. there's um, a there's a reason why people think like, oh, I was born into this bloodline. My my bloodline has cursed me. I was born into this family that's cursed me. Like, yes. there's a reason why that appeals to them and why that they that gets drawn into their delusion and why it gets magnified. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it also does sound like Caswell's father was a particular kind of piece of shit. It makes me wonder if he was the one calling Jean and harassing her or if it was oh, totally. a guy that he knew, um, you know, someone trying to fuck with his mom. Yeah, perhaps. You uh, know? And well, um, but here's the other thing, like these other characters, this Barry King guy and this Miles, this Miles character, like, they seem fucking weird as well. Oh, yeah. Like. Sure are. I'm wondering if there is like clandestine aspects to this shit, like whether that's state intelligence or whether that's well i'm wondering if crime if you know. he's almost like a compromised person if he's an like, asset yeah like stephen yeah. greer or are you, I don't just, know. are you just straight up using stephen greer as an example of a, of an asset yeah <laughs> no because his i'm with he, it that whole like seti thing he's also involved his name comes up when you that's right. trace yeah. the origins yeah, yeah, of yeah. project looking glass underground yeah. bases like being a whistleblower of, I worked at this base. Yeah. He's one of those dudes. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were saying like he, like he was a an asset, like being manipulated by mm -hmm. intelligence and shit and, and all that. Maybe it. God knows. <laughs> but yeah, like, well, I'm wondering if James Casbolt, like Casbolt himself could be a fucking asset to somebody. Right. I mean, he is very easily manipulatable. Yeah. Anyway, we we haven't heard the story yet. I'm just yeah. save my pontiff. And I say that because he's a man who does have a degree of intelligence and charisma, specifically in the circles that he involves himself in. Sure. You know? But in the real world, he ain't got nothing on nobody. Right. So he would be easy to manipulate and to compromise. But what would be his use? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We'll talk about it. Yeah. Well, much like his father, James Casbold is a man prone to violence. 
and crime. And unlike his father, more like Barry King, James is a man prone to fantasy who fancied himself an assassin for the British Secret Service. Mm. Someone who knows the truth about what's really going on. But in my humble opinion, the real truth is that James is really nothing more than a narcissistic, I know, big buzzword, and grandiose (sighs) manipulator who couldn't face reality. So he built a castle of lies and destroyed it from the inside out with his own stupidity. Hell yeah. And yet, despite now being in prison, James Casbolt, the super Mm. soldier, you know, he hasn't escaped yet. Mm. Um, He remains a strong voice in the super soldier military abduction community. He's cemented himself as one of the whistleblowers. In fact, he had kind of like a big feud with Max Spears, who was the guy who died with the black goo and all that shit. Like, he's, he's a name when you look up deep underground military base lore. He is the British equivalent to the Dulce base. Right. Or at least he's part of that. You know what Max Spear got into uh, shortly before he died? Oh, what's that? Eck. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. He was doing yeah. the who. <laughs> you. Yeah. That's what Max Spear was doing in the Just weeks quick, before his mysterious death. Do a quick cue with me. You. Listen to our Eck and Carr episode. Yeah, they're very funny. <laughs> Yeah, so James Casbolt, he's one of the whistleblowers. Like, he's part of the mythology. Fuck it. He just is. (laughs) Sure. At the age of 32, he published his autobiographical manuscript, Mm self-published. Who does that remind you of? Stephen Kelly at the top of the episode. Reminds me of a lot of people. Yeah, just just self-publishing their bullshit. Yeah, and this autobiography concerned his involvement in a top-secret NSA-run project. The book was titled... James Casbolt, MI6, Agent Buried Alive. (laughs) It was released in 2008. Uh, And he gained a following through his appearance on The Basis Project with Miles Johnson. And you know what's so fascinating is that Miles Johnson himself has suggested that James Casbolt just copied Barry King. That Miles Johnson doesn't even know if he believes james at all but it's like <laughs> you know what yeah, I, whatever fuck it i i don't i'm just doing this thing i guess this is what i'm doing with my life i've been doing this since <laughs> the fucking 70s yeah 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 <laughs> well he publishes his little autobiography in 2008 seven years later in 2015 james casbolt is sentenced to 12 years in prison for attempted blackmail and threats against his ex-wife American supermarket heiress Haley Meyer, who had been seduced by his lies online. She knew about all the super soldier stuff. That's what drew her to him. She moved to England to live with him and his mom at a certain point. After his dad died, he moved in with his mom to a little cottage and she, this fucking billionaire heiress, goes to live with him and his mom in a cottage in England. Charisma, charisma is not a dump stat. Yeah. Is- It'll get you anywhere. And it's like, what would cause someone like this who seemingly has it all, or at least has it all materially, to fall for a man like James? This is what I thought was interesting, because I was trying to pick this apart in my head. You know, because why is she reading these conspiracies about the ruling elite being evil and these underground... What? Why is she even on these boards to begin with as a person who's from one of these, like, you know... Um, big families that hangs out at galas with other big name families who knows other billionaires. Like, yeah. 
she's online looking up these conspiracy theories about how those people are all fucking evil, which tells me she probably doesn't have that great of a relationship with her family. Or and it, perhaps that doesn't tell me that at all. She could be like, I don't know if I like these people that are trying to ingratiate themselves with my family. Maybe I, maybe I, maybe, maybe she knows that her family's good, right? Like, right. No, but she know. alienated herself from her family to oh. be with him. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> which is just so interesting. That is, is, man, I hate reading that. I hate reading it. Yeah. You know. Right. So I don't know. I I don't know what attracted her to him, but it had a lot to do with what he posted online. She fell in love with his persona, the secret agent persona. I'm doing something wrong. (laughs) So I don't know. To me, maybe, maybe she had a poor or a fractured relationship with her family. As a lot of heiresses do. I mean, Casey Johnson is a classic example of it. Her story is really quite something. And maybe she played into his conspiracies that the ruling elite are all these evil people. And just as these conspiracies had given James's past meaning as a boy who grew up in poverty, mm. you know, how how nice to build up this narrative that rich people are all these bloodthirsty evil pedophiles. That makes yeah, my yeah, childhood yeah. make sense. Yeah, doesn't it though? That's why I was so poor that's why things were so shitty that's that's why i that's why i can't remember anything from my childhood is because i was mind wiped not because i have ptsd and because that causes <laughs> giant gaps in memory All right it's because they mind wiped me yeah right no it's just it's the evil rich people and maybe that somehow made Haley myers childhood make more sense too and they connected over that i don't know anything about her i don't know yeah. in any case their relationship Began like a fairy tale, like a fantasy, because it was, and ended badly. Okay. Very badly. And like I said, despite claiming to be a super soldier, he has yet to escape from Earl Stoke prison. (laughs) Those British prisons, man. Yeah. You know, and I will also say that he could also just be really great at brainwashing and at manipulating. Yeah, he could just be a sick fuck. You know? Yeah. That's also a, a high probability. I mean, because especially the fact that she was looking into these things already shows that she's a bit, you know, compromised to magical thinking and, you know, falling into a fantasy. Yeah. So it very well could be that she was just manipulated and isolated. Yeah. I mean, it's just not mutually exclusive either. Yeah. You know, uh, but like, we, I don't think we know if this dude believes any of his own bullshit or if he's just a criminal who knows that that like words are a weapon and shit. You know. Mm-hmm. So James claims that he came from an important bloodline, mm. family of intelligence officers, right? Oh, yes. He states his, grand- spooks. Yeah. <laughs> his grandfather was in naval intelligence. His father was an MI6 and involved in black ops. His uncle mm. was an MI5 officer. I don't know the difference between MI5 and MI6. How many uh, MIs I, are there? Uh, MI5 is um, internal, like the, F- the F- FBI. Okay. Uh, MI6 is like CIA external uh, intelligence. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, according to James, his bloodline is super important. He explains that he can trace his ancestry back to the Spartans, the earliest Freemasons, the tribes of Dan, the Merovingians, and Atlantis. <laughs> the Illuminati, as Casbolt delineates it, consists of two warring bloodlines. The Jewish Zionists, who descended from King David and Jesus, the Davidic bloodline, and the Fourth Reich Aryans, who are white Aryans who descended from Odin. 
Oh. The Odinic bloodline. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And he is a mix of both of them. Oh, he's the the, the, the golden child. Yes. Yeah. But which side does he fall on? Well, it'll become very apparent. <laughs> uh, James also claims that he worked in black ops drug trafficking operations in London between 1995 and 1999. Might be like, true. It's 20s. Yeah, according to his stepbrother, what James was doing during these years is a lot of ducking and diving for his father. So he is doing he's doing drug trafficking operations, he's, but not like black ops. He's selling bags. Yeah. 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 And he's smoking a lot of pot mm. and he does not have a day job. He's never had a day job. He's just, he's robbed a grocery store and has been in jail and sells drugs and just is a criminal. Fuck yeah. Yeah. And, but he felt kind of bad for being a criminal, which is why he wrote his book, Agent Buried Alive. Agent Buried Alive. Agent Buried Alive. He wanted to make amends for his part in certain operations and, you know, come clean because he felt horribly guilty. About the supermarket? About about everything. About what he was starting to remember when he was in his 30s. You know, remembering that he had killed over 200 people. Like, holy shit. <laughs> uh, remembering that he had an ET tech gun named Drago that he used to assassinate cyborgs that could fire bullets that are blessed by something to do with the Vatican. <laughs> what? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, he's really, he's a good guy. He's just coming forward with this because he wants to blow the whistle on all these crimes against humanity that the intelligence agencies are involved in. You know, like, for example, the mind control program run jointly by NSA and MI6. Ah. Called Project Mannequin. Ah. Yep. The very one. Project no. Mannequin. It, is it basically the same as Project Monarch, but it's in England? Um, with genetic manipulation added in. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. So this was started in 1972, again, the same year that James was born. The same year at Project, Project Ibis. Ibis. Whatever that yeah. is. And the location is centered around the AL-499 facility, which is the same alleged secret underground base that Barry King talked about in his first 1994 Basis Project interview. Okay. It's located somewhere roughly beneath the village of Peasmore in Berkshire, England. And the project includes the abduction of civilians and certain members of intelligence services in the military. And the reason is to produce programmed slumberer agents using sophisticated electronic tackle grounded hypnotism. So they don't even know it. And some tackle, people, what does tackle grounded mean? What does tackle grounded mean? Mm. <laughs> what does is that a, a phrase? I've never heard it before in my life. It refers to nautical equipment like anchors and chains for mooring a vessel. So, yeah, a lot of the people involved in Project Mannequin, some of them have opted to be in it, but a lot of them haven't. So the NSA basically programs these individuals to carry out future tasks set by the NSA to become assassins. Mm -hmm. uh, these agents also include women, but of course... Like usual, the women are subjugated to being sexual agents. Sure, yeah. That is to say, you know, they use the tools of seduction to murder. Once she, once yeah, the victim yeah. is distracted, that's when they strike and kill right. him. Is in, in the act of passion, you know, because that's it's all you're fucking good for. <laughs> God, <laughs> you can tell that it's all dudes. Like, oh, of course, coming up Every with time. these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
According to James, MI6 and the CIA have also cornered the global drug trade, and they're now bringing the majority of street drugs into America and Britain. Well, that's true. But what are they using the money for? Hmm. Well, they're using that drug money to fund projects classified above top secret. Well, that's true. Which includes the building and maintenance of deep underground military bases, a.k.a. dumps. Like, I'm sure that's true, but not the way he thinks it's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, apparently there are over 4,000 of these bases worldwide. Some of them are like four and a quarter miles deep. So, these are big. These are very big. They're like the size of a city. There's cities underneath cities. Okay. And there are hundreds of thousands of men, women, and small children brutalized, tortured, programmed, experimented upon, and killed in these underground facilities, which are also, by the way shared with incredibly malevolent alien beings who literally eat humans. This dude just read um, fucking I Remember Lemuria. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And, you know, a a vast number of the children and adults disappearing around the world, Mm. they're ending up in these underground bases because they're not just in, you know, America, Britain. They're all over the All over the world. There are kids in the tunnels, Sequoia. In the Getty Museum. God damn it. We gotta occupy the Getty. There are kids in the fucking tunnels. Where does the Getty come into all this? It's one of the bases. It's just one of the... We gotta go to the Getty. I don't know. Where's the nearest base to us, do you think? Oh, good question. Boston Museum of Science. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And the Mystic Aquarium. (laughs) The Mystic... Yes. (laughs) Yes. So, yeah, basically this Peasmore base that... James Casbolt talks about that Barry King talks about. It's the British equivalent of the notorious Dulce base oh in my New God. Mexico. Hold that thought for one second. I just remembered something I have to tell you before. Do it. Get it. I hate your vape. My buddy's dad, the dude I've mentioned a couple times as being like my first real conspiracy theorist that I knew, told me about chemtrails and all this shit for the first time. Well, in our town, there was a Nike site, one of the nuclear missile uh, sites, like um, missile defense sites in the 50s. They were going to like shoot. If missiles came in, they were going to shoot straight up, blow up the missiles and rain fallout on the coast. And the government was going to reset up in the middle of the country. That was a real ass thing. But and one of the sites was in the town I grew up in. But now it's just this dilapidated old fucking couple buildings. And they turned the main site into police academy and shit. Um, State police academy. This dude, my buddy's dad knew that there was a tunnel that connected the two sites, the like the uh, radar control site and the actual oh, silo shit. site. And this dude is obsessed with finding the fucking underground tunnel under our small little fucking... Da- like, it's the same thing. That's where the kids are. But he wasn't about the kids. Yeah, he just wanted to find it's, the tunnel. He was just about the tunnel. Finding the but tunnel, it, finding the underground... Yeah. There is a thing. There's like a meme about men loving to dig. I mean, the the masculine urge to dig. I like, mean, you if know, if you Google masculine urge I've to dig, you'll it. find a bunch of memes. Like it's a thing. I'll dig a fucking hole, man. Yeah, it's fun to dig a hole. It's fun to dig a hole. Fun to dig a fucking like, hole. Like I want, I want to find the tunnel too. They sealed it up. Is yeah, but like I'll find some fucking tunnels. I'll go in a tunnel. I'm not. A, I don't know. I'm don't like caves, but nothing yeah. wrong with a tunnel. Man's got to dig. God. So like I said, this is like Dulce base yeah. shit, you know? It shares so many of the same horror movie accounts of child sacrifice, alien experiments. Genetic engineering. Reptilian overlords. Yeah. The queen is there. Yeah. Royalty. The, you know, politicians. And I mean, co- coincidentally, Barry King came forward with all of his shit. Same time that Phil Schneider 
was going around giving talks about getting his dick split in half like a hot dog mm. by aliens at the Dulce base. Mm. You know, same exact time. Telling very similar stories. It's Yeah, it's yeah. so it's the same time. So it's or Barry King and Phil Schneider were the same time. Yeah. Okay. James came later. Yes. Yeah. James came across all of this information on the internet in the early 2000s. Right, right. Yeah, so he, I mean, he just ripped it off. Yeah, yeah. and wrote himself into it. Yeah, yeah. And as you know, I'm always bringing up movies, but if this concept intrigues you, this idea of an underground world full of reptilian overlords, there's this movie called The Midnight Meat Train. Oh, yeah. It's also a story. The Midnight yes. Meat Train? Yes. Okay. It's It's not porn. I was going to ask. <laughs> it's not porn. It's a really great horror story. Because it sounds like porn. No. It's about this photographer in the city who's hell-bent on tracking down a serial killer known as the Subway Butcher. Mm. People are getting like pulled apart in crazy ways. And this photographer becomes obsessed with capturing scenes of filth and depravity and violence. Jesus. To the point where it's like destroying his relationships. He's getting drawn into this like deep underground world where he's hanging out in the subways just trying to capture any moment of of disgustingness that he can because he wants to be subversive. He wants to make good art. Oh, shut up. Well, spoiler alert. <laughs> what he finds under the city in the subway is um, a city full of old ones who feast on humans. Oh. Like... It's it's some cosmic horror shit. Okay. Like it gets crazy, and it it only gets crazy like right at the end. But there's inklings of it, like this man being driven by going into the yeah. underworld. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, to the point where it it causes him to. Okay, you really wanted to see it. You really wanted to see what the deep depths are like. This is what it's fucking like. It's horrifying. And on another token, what? What are you gonna say? I just realized why dogs are associated with the dead in the underworld. You have a fucking dog with you. You're not going crazy. Mm-hmm. You know that dog will fucking keep you. That's the guide through the underworld. Yeah, you won't lose your mind if you have a dog with you. Yeah, that's interesting. And also, just the concept of the hellhound in general is like well, a yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, wolves are mm-hmm. wolves are crazy. They'll do I was, some shit, dude. Oh yeah, my yeah, yeah. god, there's a reason why they killed all the all the fucking wolves in this area that we live in. There it yeah, they killed all the fucking they, wolves. Uh, it was an epidemic. It was a plague. People were like dying left and right by wolves just invading and and mauling people. Fuck yeah. Get dog. <laughs> and on another token, it makes me think of the movie Us, if you've ever seen that, which is a movie that I didn't really get when I watched it the have, first time I've very not much. I've seen it. Well, it calls upon this idea that there's Another version of us, underground, tethered to us, Mm. that does everything we do and wants to rise up and take our lives. And these doppelgangers were created as government experiments and then abandoned. You know, Mm. very relevant. Because, you know, of course, James was involved in... Cloning experiments. Cloning experiments, yes. Which calls back upon the symbol of the twin, the clone. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, what the hell because, is going on here? And I know one of our first episodes, our lost episode about yes. Donald Marshall. Yes, yes. You know, this ah. man who in his 30s has an experience where he suddenly remembers that in his childhood he was taken to underground bases. 
and he was tortured there and the queen was there and all these famous people were there and they were cloning people there and there were clones of him and clones of other people this idea of like the underworld and like this mirror world this other self that goes there so fascinating i'm turning 33 tomorrow yeah you're past the point okay good because so i was getting i'm wondering i'm starting to get a little like am i gonna fucking lose my mind soon no you're good okay i feel like i'm gonna lose my mind soon see the fact that you're worried about it mm. you're good then i'm good with everything then yeah <laughs> <laughs> well apparently there's another guy out there in the world that looks exactly like james casbolt mm. someone who's maybe an actual clone of him Hmm. This doppelganger is named Supreme Rockefeller. <laughs> the alleged son of David Rockefeller. Okay. You know? Okay. 13 bloodlines. You know, one of the big names. One of the scary names. One of the families. Supreme Rockefeller, this guy, who, very much like James Casbolt, has made elaborate claims about being the Antichrist and says that he's set to soon usher in the end times. You know, and, uh, you know, some internet investigation. You find a few books that bring up um, Supreme Rockefeller. In fact, let's do it now. Let's go to go to Google Books, if you will. Supreme Rockefeller. And we'll find a few books that bring him up and reference him. Hmm. Like there's one book called QAnon and the Dark Agenda. And it brings up. This guy, Supreme Rockefeller, who was online talking about how he was the secret child of David Rockefeller Jr. And that he was authorized to finalize the New World Order and expose that the Rockefeller household had actually come down from the Anunnaki. You know, the ancient race of aliens. And you know how James thought that he had Anunnaki DNA? Mm. You know, but yeah, the Rockefellers are Anunnaki and they're... You know how the Anunnaki engineered humans in this mythology, too. Sure, yeah, so yeah. Like, you know, they're kind of like gods. So that's what Supreme Rockefeller is saying. He's, and there are these books that, that bring him up and say, oh, he was just a scammer who was trying to scam people out of money, but he was actually just this high school dropout named Chris from Louisiana, born in 1975, who lived with his mom and worked as a cashier at a, at a fast food establishment and earned money by betting and selling ringtones on websites. Hmm. That's what these books say. <sighs> they say that he's just this small-time crook from Louisiana. Supreme Rockefeller is actually Chris Rains. Okay. But there's a bunch of photographs online of Supreme. That would seem to suggest one of two things. That this Chris Rains, Supreme Rockefeller character really bears an uncanny resemblance to uh, James Casbolt slash Michael Prince. Mm. Or that the pictures are just like staged photos of Casbolt purporting to be Supreme. This is one of his other aliases. This is another identity of his. Like the pictures are interesting. We're going to look at them in a second. Okay. But it like which is one a creation of the other? Like which one came first? Chicken or the egg? Like Supreme Rockefeller, James Casbolt. Like and... There are two whole fucking books about this Supreme Rockefeller, Antichrist or Messiah by this other guy who's a whole character in his own right. Yeah. Neither of these books, like, 
make any reference to James Casbolt or the fact that they look alike or that their stories are very alike. Just, yeah, bring up this document. And, oh, I haven't shown you a picture of James Casbolt. Uh, yeah, right. I have not. That's what he looks like? Oh, wow. Okay. Oh. Oh, okay. I, I get it now. Wow. That's not what I was expecting him to look like. No, he just looks like a normal dude. Well, he look, he could do the agent bit. Like he, you could cast that dude as as James Bond. Yeah, you know what I mean. If like if he was a, if he was a actor suited to the role, like he has the look of what a British agent looks like in a comic book, right? Yep. Yeah, and I mean, okay. So if you would, I need to see another picture of. Look at his chin. I mean, I mean. Supreme Rockefeller's butt chin is more pronounced, but it's there. They look very, very similar, and their stories are very, very similar, and it's interesting. Yeah, they- Their eyes are similar. Yeah. And also, James Casbolt has been known to take photos of other people and manipulate them and say that it's him. Weird. Photos of people that look similar to him. Whoa. And saying that it's him. Oh, this dude's a psycho. Oh, are you reading the Supreme Rockefeller? Document? No, no, I'm talking about Casbolt. Oh, yeah, and just his, like, fractured identities. Yeah, no, he, dude, he's a fucking psychopath. I don't know. Oh, absolutely. He doesn't believe a goddamn thing. He's just fucking doing shit. Mm-hmm. So this document starts off. His name is Supreme David Rockefeller, a 35-year-old man who says he is Marduk Ra and Lucifer redeemed, the Messiah the world has been waiting for and the Bible has been telling us about. Is this the man secret societies have been waiting for and prepared for since ancient times? He says he is the one who rebelled against God, the universal father, and caused the wars in heaven. He is the one who created sin and the reason the world is in the shape it's in. According to him, after thousands of years in exile, he has now returned in the body of Supreme Rockefeller and has redeemed himself. Instead of bringing the world to its knees and fulfilling the end-time prophecies, he has decided to save the world. He has one He once had the purpose to destroy. Upon all this, he is also the Jewish Messiah. When he visits Israel, he is treated like a god. Is he telling the truth? Is Lucifer really equivalent to Satan? If not, who is he? This ebook will bring some understanding to who he really is. Doubt that. Yeah. And then this, of course, goes into how... Um, at, this book even has a chapter on Chris Raines, a.k.a. Supreme Rockefeller, and, like, acknowledges it and acknowledges, like... It's very bizarre. Um, it talks about the Vril. Sure. Uh, the Thule Society. Dual Society. Yeah. And yeah, Supreme Rockefeller says that he's been secretly working with the Vril Society. And we don't have time to get into all that, what the Vril Society is. But basically, condensed, this is Nazi shit. Nazi magic. This is Nazi shit. And even if this Supreme Rockefeller man isn't James, or if it is James but using different pictures, or using manipulated pictures of himself, or of a man that looks very similar to him. At this point in time, it seems like he's not really willing to out himself so boldly as a Nazi. So he perhaps is doing it other in 
under his other identities like Supreme Rockefeller because he has this split, right? Where he has the the Davidic bloodline where he's half Jewish, how he's the Jewish Messiah, but then he's also part Aryan. He's also part Nazi and he's he's struggling between those. And which one are the good guys? There are two wolves inside you. Yeah. (laughs) Jesus. I... I'm going to be honest, I'm having a hard time organizing all this in my head. Take a moment, let it breathe. It's a lot. Yeah, I only found that Supreme Rockefeller shit last night after already writing all of this. And I oh, was wow. like, wait a second, what the fuck is this? Jesus Christ. Because <laughs> that document, it's long and it's yeah. wild. It is absolutely wild. Yeah, and it's, it's, it seems like other people have like looked into and, and determined that, oh, this is some dude from Louisiana, but like it. But it doesn't, I don't think, Chris Rains... It sounds like such a, a phony name. And it's Chris with a K, too. Oh, Jesus. That's even worse. Like Chris Christopherson. Then you got three Ks, and you know what that means. Yeah. Well, it makes me think of um, Chris Rains. It makes me... It rhymes with Chris Gaines, who's the fictional rock persona for Garth Brooks. Remember when Garth Brooks decided that he wanted to explore stuff that wasn't country, so he came up with an <gasps> alternate persona, Chris yeah. Gaines? yeah, yeah. yeah. Is Chris Rains that? Well, no. However, I bet the name Chris Rains did come from Aura Rains. Maybe. So the bases, right? We got all these fucking bases. And we know that James kind of just stole and built off of Barry King's testimony. And I also do think it's so interesting how Miles Johnson himself of the Bases Project, the guy who gave James Casbolt a platform... Mm. It's like, yeah, he probably plagiarized that shit. I don't know. <laughs> and so this guy, Milton, Miles. Miles Johnson. Miles Johnson. He had this program thing that was like the go to super the, soldiers guys. Go to the basisproject.org. Basis project. Okay. The fuck is this? I'm more confused than ever. Yeah. So he's he's basically like a veteran UFO researcher sure, from yeah, Belfast, okay. Ireland. So it's just more. It's just another guy. It's just fuck another one. But this is uh, this is interesting. This is this is different than a lot of them. But it's this. I just get the sense that this is for real, though. What do you mean by that? <laughs> like the, the way you were saying, like you you were saying, like it's interesting that Miles Johnson, you know, doesn't say these are all true. Like I thought it could be mistaken for like an art project, but I think this is. Oh no, he's and, totally yeah, like this yeah, is yeah. his life's pas- passion project is okay. collecting these stories, but like. It's almost like this is just what he stumbled into. So he was like, okay, this is the story that we're building from. And then all of the people that he interview go on to build off of the original Barry King story. The well, base, yeah, yeah. It's the bases project. It's about these underground bases and these yeah. um, programmable generated life forms being produced in these bases, which are, by the way, gray aliens. Right. All right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this guy just seems like a kook, this Miles Johnson. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with a kook. I love a kook. Yeah. I am a kook. And well, what he's done is he's collected like a very interesting set of um, interviews. Like he was one of the last people to interview Max Spears. Right. It's a whole, this is a whole world. It's a whole this world. It's a whole like whole world. branch of yes. the thing. Yeah. So a little bit more about these bases. So I keep bringing up this term programmable generated life forms, right? Sure. PLFs. These are grays. 
they look like classic greys and they are basically robots that the military created for use in project mannequin abductions okay yeah so they're fake greys greys aren't real they're robots okay not aliens gotcha but there are real reptilians and other types of aliens oh yeah Mm. you see okay the technology to make all of this stuff was given to the NSA, but, you know, way before the NSA existed. But basically, it was it was given to our governments, our militaries, in these human extraterrestrial treaties that started back in the 1930s. Okay. So, do you see where this is going? It's got something to do with Nazis. Yeah. This is where history is going to get rewritten to make the Nazis kind of the good guys. Okay. Yeah. So, James Casbolt starts okay. to get... Real racially slanted with his stories around 2011. Mm. Uh, he gives one interview referring to the Odinist Fellowship, whose plan for the human race is to perpetuate endless warfare via Nazi brainwashing and assassination. Mm. He doesn't necessarily say this like it's a bad thing. Oh, um, I would assume it's a bad thing. Because you see, James has cybernetic enhancements that relate to his Odinist bloodline. Mm. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah. And this brings me back to like the metal plate put in his arm after he was beat up when he was a kid. Oh, fuck me. Yeah. You know? Yep. Like, how do you make sense of these these foreign things in your body as a kid? Like, that's Look, a confusing thing is to he, internalize. I, I think you're giving him too much credit. No. I think it's all subconscious. I don't know about that. Yeah. I, like, I, he could be fucking just a psychopath. No, and he is. We, right. And he so, is, like, but why does he pick these symbols? Why is it this mythology okay, that he's drawn? I see what you're saying. Like, that, okay, he... Why is he it is, he has these, like, cybernetic metal enhancements, cold fusion alloy, mind on the moon of Saturn in his arm? Well, it's because like, he got in, uh, a plate put in his, in his shit. Right. But is, but is this, is this some deep psychological thing? Or is he just writing? Because, like... That's what would happen if you were just writing. That's but this the type was of thing. his whole life. This sure. But like, that's telling a story. You know what I mean? It and, is. And and if I tell a story it's to a make- It's a dangerous story to tell. If I tell a story to make a thing happen, it doesn't, it doesn't, like, I'm going to look back through my life to find the inspiration. Right. Do you know what I mean? And like, sure, you could point to like, say, Philip K. Dick, uh, you know, with these real like, yo, where the fuck is this shit coming from? He also from? had a phantom twin. Speaking of twins- well, that's, he's a weird thing. He's, he will show up everywhere if you let him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if you let him, that's a funny way. <laughs> um, the point is, like, you can like you can psychoanalyze this dude and, like, try to figure out, like, uh, th- like this, this, this way, you know, how he got broken and shit. But I don't know if that's necessarily useful. Like, he might have enjoyed being a piece. He might not have considered him. Like, he, he might not have been wrestling with anything, I think, is what I'm trying to say. I don't think that anyone like falls into this shit without being like a fundamentally Un- broken individual for sure <laughs> yeah for sure but there's two types of people in this shit right, right. there's like the wolves and the fucking sheep mm-hmm. right and you know to use an animal metaphor cause that's what we're doing the fucking sheeple <laughs> the sheeple is dehumanizing i'm sorry but the fucking sheeple that's what they're Mm-hmm. That's that they got broken as a person. Right. They are well to me it's interesting to analyze why this? Why is this the thing that I, he I feel like made his story. 
I think he saw an opportunity. Yes. I think I don't want to absolutely. Make, I don't want to make the mistake of trying to psychoanalyze the sheep when we should be psychoanalyzing the wolf. Absolutely. Right? So like, but there's both aspects. And I, I I think I could see like him acknowledging that he's like in his own mind like consciously using the story of the plate like uh, using that mm-hmm. as inspiration to be like I got these motherfuckers. Oh yeah. You know. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 I guess I'm just saying like. So he turns that that thing, that metal plate in his arm that was there because he was victimized and turns it into something that is like, you know, part of his battle armor, like a, a special thing in his written mythology of yeah. himself. I also, oh, I guess this is the best way to say what I'm getting at. I don't think he believes his own bullshit. I don't think he believes in the deep underground military base. I don't think he believes in any no. of this. It's not, he's a fucking no. psychopath and a liar. Yeah. He's just telling a story. Yes. Yeah. He's not someone that needs to get brought back to reality. And this is He needs like, to get put up against the fucking wall. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm glad he's in jail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's fascinating to me that this is the thing that, that he chose to implode his life with. Yeah. Well, you it's know? an opportunity. You see, like you right. see that it's, a, how many times have we said it? You can just do it. Right. Like we've said that about like the Ascended Master Sheet and all that. This is in that same vein. It's a ready-made well to draw from. Yep. For these fucking bastards. Right. And like he has all these stories. Because it's a fucking uh, perennial myth. myth, Yeah. Underground shit. Like that's why it works. That's that's Mm -hmm. the crux. Yep. Sorry. Didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah. I just wanted to mention the time that he, he went to one of Saturn's moons and like got into a fight with a giant diamond spider. Hell yeah. That's a good, that's a good bit. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, <laughs> you think that's a good bit. Listen to this. All right. There are cybernetic reptilian limbs sent through time. The limbs? By th- yeah. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. Sent through time by the Knights Templar. <laughs> In 1812, <laughs> like, okay, doesn't make sense, to be grafted onto human super soldiers in the present day and the future in 2212. Oh, this man hates every other human. Yeah. That's what I'm getting right now. He hates us. Yes. <laughs> and all of this adds up to a Nazi plot to depopulate Earth. And ship all of the non-Aryan people off-world to this other place, mm-hmm. so that Earth can become a paradise planet where everyone walks around naked, having orgies all the time. So, right now, wow. they're sending like these limbs and shit, and they have all this technology. And the Fourth Reich, right? Yeah. Well, there are these ancient reptilian cyborgs <laughs> who have cloned human skin, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, very much the movie Iron Sky. Yeah, no, I was going to say Moon Nazis, man. Yeah, yeah, Moon Nazis. And apparently there are also several time-traveling cyborg clones of James Casbolt running around, which obviously accounts for his other online identities, like Supreme Rockefeller. That's just one of his cyborg clones that's run amok. You know, that's why it kind of looks like him, but not really. That's that's why it's similar to him, but not really. Um, it wasn't James who posted a bunch of racist shit on Above Top Secret. And I quote, this is, this is from James. Mm-hmm. The Jew always thrives off the back of another person's work like a parasite. So he's just showing his true colors there. Remember that whole Davidic bloodline versus Odinist bloodline? I think, I think he figured out which side of the fence he, he falls on. 
Because if the Nazis are going to depopulate the earth and turn it into a paradise, he wants to be on that fucking paradise. That's incredible. Like, what the fuck, man? Like, uh, um. So, the clones. This dude definitely created the persona of Chris Rains. Yeah. As a way to fucking bolster the clone idea. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. Who is this dude? He's a fucking crazy man. He's a crazy man. <laughs> I hate to say it. Like you, you, you I'm like I when, don't. When hate we started to say talking it. about him, like as some fucking. It's probably the British voice I did that made me think of him as a loser in my head. But I mean, he was like jumping over the fucking, getting robbed in a supermarket. What the? He seduced a fucking supermarket heiress, which is pretty impressive. After he robbed a supermarket as a teenager. Yeah. It all comes yeah, fucking yeah, full yeah, circle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. His father's some fucking drug runner in the coast of Spain. That's weird. Yeah. But like also that does account for his ability to do this shit. And also why that is such a predominant part of, you know, his personal mythology. Like he literally was a drug trafficker. He literally right. did have a father right, that right. was involved in like crime. That taught him how to do all sorts of probably secret agent shit. This dude right. was fucking uh, put in prison for selling fake passports. Like that's some fucking. Yeah. That's some liar shit. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's some spy shit, right? But it's just crime. But it's spy shit. Yep. Espionage, essentially. Like he he was part of an underground intelligence program that taught him how to be an animal. Literally. He was that taught him how to be a snake. Right. Quite fucking metaphorically, not literally, but yeah. like, <laughs> allegorically. Yes. That's exactly what happened. Yep. That's fucking crazy. So this is the real history of like how this all happened. And we're just going to breeze right through this this web page, which interestingly comes to us through his Michael Prince persona. Where the fuck have I heard that name before? I don't know. So as Michael Prince, he's exposing information all about how there's a hostile war between ET civilizations and humans. And it started World War Three. It's between humans and aliens. It's begun because humans have allied with the greys and reptilians. And this is called the military industrial extraterrestrial complex. Fuck you. Yep. You can't do that. It's true. It's true. There was a treaty in 1934. Excellent. The small greys. Yeah. Who apparently came from the Orion star. It's like, I thought that there there were synthetic greys too. I guess there's real greys and synthetic small greys. Yeah. Goblins. Um, yes. 1934. They're meeting with FDR. Richard Shaver in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Goblins. Yes. And uh, we make a pact with them. Okay. And basically, we agree that in exchange for knowledge of their technologies, their advanced technologies, we're going to allow them to abduct people and experiment on our people and do genetic experiments with them because apparently these greys like need our DNA for some shit. I don't know. Um, they also want to infiltrate our society on all levels and replace important world leaders with clones. And I guess FDR is like, okay, cool. Just anyone you abduct, can you just wipe their memories so that they don't remember at least? That would be nice. And the Greys are like, sure, we can do that. I like how it's FDR <laughs> and not Eisenhower like it normally is. Yeah. So then seven years later, the Greys decide, we're going to approach Hitler too. And then they begin a treaty with the Nazis mm. and they offer them mind control and other technologies in exchange for 
humans to conduct genetic experiments on. Wait. And it's like, wait, didn't you already do this with our... Go- so... Did you say seven years later? Yeah. So 1941? Yeah. Fuck you. No way. Hitler was very busy at the time. That's like three years into the fucking war. Come on. This is the Michael Prince, James Casbolt mythology. That's very silly. It is such a fucking stupid rewriting of history. Hitler was very busy. So first the U.S. allies with the Greys, then Germany allies with the Greys. And Hitler basically tells them, don't fucking touch the Aryans, but you can do whatever you want with the Jews. And since then, Germany and America have been areas of gray and reptilian invasion. Well, that's true. Yeah. (laughs) Because we have these gray Draco reptilian treaties. Oh, they. Oh, in 1964, U.S. intelligence expected a gray reptilian ET takeover between 2000 and 2030. Yep. You know, could happen. (laughs) Yeah. And it all goes back to New Mexico. It always does. So, okay. I mean, look, we're going to be talking about this in a couple episodes. So you know how the the Greys approached us, approached Americans in 1934, and we agreed to a treaty with them? Yeah. This is very important. Yes. Pay attention. I am. The same time, a bunch of tall, blonde Pleiadians also came and tried to approach the U.S. government. Or arranges Pleiadian, was she not? Yeah, and the Pleiadians, you know, basically space Aryans. Yep. Space Nazis. Much softer features. Yeah, right. So the Pleiadians come to the United States and they're like, hey, we want to help you to like figure out how to dismantle war. You know, we want want you to help stop that. And we're like, "Mm, no, because we're allied with the Greys. So the Pleiadians, who are so benevolent and so wonderful, and they're just like us, because the Greys are like these gross, creepy, little bug-eyed creatures, but the Pleiadians, they look like us. They're very human. We should mm. like them. They're not like snakes, like the reptilians that we have a, a base fear of. They're humans. They're like angels. I mean, it makes sense. So the Pleiadians go to Hitler and the Nazis instead and say, hey, guys, the Americans said no. What about you guys? And... They say, yeah, okay. The Pleiadians work out a treaty with Hitler and the Nazis in exchange for technology and in exchange that the Nazis would stop hurting the Jewish people because, you know, the Pleiadians are so good. They're actually good. And now now the Nazis are good, too. Now they're actually the good guys because they're allied with the Pleiadians now. And we're allied with the Greys. We're bad. We're allied with the reptilians. Bad. So what happened to the Jews? (laughs) By 1941, the Pleiadians apparently pulled out of the treaty and would no longer deal with Hitler and the Nazis. It was at this time that the Greys approached them and where Nazi trauma-based mind control technology came from. Oh, so Nazis were only good guys for a little bit. Yeah. It's a very bizarre mythology. And then like... So the end of James Casbold's book, he writes about how he's allied with the good Pleiadians and like... The Galactic Confederation and all of that. And if you scroll down on that page I sent you, there's some harp bullshit. Some sure, bullshit yeah. about something called the Tablets of Destiny. The Tablets of Destiny? My God. Tablets of Destiny. It's a very convoluted mythology. And, you know, that article that we just looked at about the impending World War Three. Yeah. From 2011, like I said, 
2011, that's the same year that James started to go off the rails and just openly espouse neo-Nazi propaganda online, referring to real power in the blood. Yeah, yeah. Claiming that there's this Jewish plot to bring about an apocalyptic race war, and, and all of this is laid out in the protocols of the elders of Zion, which, you know, as we know, is a racist hoax that was used as propaganda by the Nazis in World War II. Mm. He also claims that, you know, the Jews run everything and they're in on it with the blacks. And and that's why the blacks have a leg ahead, because the Jews socially engineered things so that black people could get prestige in sports and music. That's why they're so good at stuff. And so that they could interbreed with white women and and mix the race. It's so he gets so fucking openly ugly with it. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it does like, you know, every time I read this shit, like it's it's the same feeling I had with the Ballards, where, where it's like, you read how stupid the mythology is, and you, I just get the sense that whoever wrote this fucking hates people. Yeah. They hate the reader. Like, that, right. it's visceral fucking loathing for whoever's going to read this. Like, you're so fucking stupid, you will eat up anything. And what's fucked up is they people do. But it's right. like, it's, it's this wide net shit. Like, you're not like, this is not... It gets people because it'll get certain people, and if enough fucking people hear it, like they'll latch on to it. It's the same way right. a podcast works, right? Like, but like, god damn, because that that's that's the thing. It's it's like, why are these theories oh, and mythologies is- so stupid? It's because the person who wrote it is a bad person. Save this like, for the end. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have so many thoughts about all this. Yes. Yeah. So we're gonna talk about the crash. Why James is sitting in prison? Right. Well, James and Haley met online in 2009. Her father was opposed to the relationship from the start. Within months of them talking, this all happened very, very quickly. Mm. She moved to Britain to be with him and his mom. They're engaged not long after. They go back to America. Their wedding reception takes place at just like this four-star hotel in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Like, it's it's a nice place, but, you know... The most expensive room is $400 a night. It's not any place that you would expect a billionaire's daughter to, like, have their wedding. Right. Um, and her family didn't even attend. Wow. And a few months after their marriage, they moved to Texas, and he joins the U.S. Army. Because I think that he, you know, he's got, like, this soldier thing. This military yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think that he wants to actually, like, live it and experience it. Yeah. Like, what an interesting choice to make. Because he doesn't have to. Like, presumably, you know, if you're marrying an heiress, you would ingratiate yourself with her family because at a certain point he was attending galas with her. He was going to these these high society events and, like, you know, rubbing elbows with these big name people, these big families, these people who are actually like, oh, the big bloodlines yeah. that would make a person like him paranoid to be around. Oh, yeah. I mean, he can't do any of his bullshit around them. Right. And yet he met her through his agent persona. So imagine, like, he's got this secret agent James Casbolt shit going on, but he has to be her arm candy and be taken to these high society events. Like, you can't tell the same story you told your wife while you're at those events. Right. Like, they, they won't believe you. No. So it becomes like this whole secret thing between her and him where only she knows the truth and only he knows the truth. Right. And he can feed her all sorts of bullshit because he knows the real truth about all these people and what they're really up to. And he can alienate her from everyone, move her to Texas, move her away from Michigan, you know, gets her pregnant. Well, 
His service record reveals that he's discharged a year later in December 2012 after failing his advanced training curriculum. It's at this point that he asks Haley for nudes, you know, to hold him over while he's away. And like a loving wife, she sends them and he shows them to other people, which she discovers. She discovers. Yeah. And she's pissed off. I have to imagine that the way she discovered was because this Casbol must have been doing this in such a way that it made someone around him go, this is fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. But she gives him another chance. And this is when she becomes pregnant. Mm. This is also when he becomes increasingly violent. Oh. After their son is born, he does things like shove her while she's holding the baby. So she does what she has to do. She files for divorce. Oh, God. James didn't like that. Yeah. He decides it's now his mission to ruin her life. Fuck. He's going to post those pictures everywhere. He's going to air all the dirty laundry. He's going to he's going to fuck her up because how fucking dare you reject me? God. And I didn't bring this up. Like the random just random shoves and shit. Yeah. Ooh. So he carries out his threat. He stays true to it. He posts her pictures on Facebook. I mean, it of all the things he could do, that's the least bad. Yeah, but it's also awful. Oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. She, this traumatized her. She was like so fucking embarrassed. Like she didn't even want to show her face in court because she like, it was embarrassing for everybody had seen her naked. She didn't want them to. Oh, of course. Yeah. No, I'm not saying it's an okay thing to do. Yeah. At all. And he's also doing things like, you know, threatening her. In one email, he says, Two million. Put it in my bank account. I will then stop talking about the, the Meyer family. If my terms are not met, I can tickle the public interest for years until the Myers are so infamous in the world, they will not be able to walk down the streets safely. Yeah, then he posts a picture of a sword and a gun. Cool. And threatens to kill her family. Good luck. Meanwhile, he's also stalking two other women, a oh, hairstylist yeah. he had known since she was 14. And I'm pretty sure he met her when he was an adult, so yeah. creepy. And a 20-year-old surfer named Tassie Swallow. Great. Well, he... You know, they try to do the little insanity defense, you know, like, I'm I'm mad, I'm crazy. Yeah. Judge rules, James is perfectly sane. Yep. Just manipulative and cruel. Yep. The judge fucking hated him, and I kind of live for it. Yeah, fuck yeah, fuck this dude. Because I kind of hate him, too. Oh, I absolutely hate him with every fiber of my fucking being. Fuck this dude, first against the wall. Fuck that guy. And, like, I might have felt bad for him. No. You know? Don't care. Because of his childhood circumstances, whatever. But like posting revenge porn and stalking women, like that just kind of made a lot of sympathy go out the window for me because like that's just happened to me. I've I've experienced that and it's utterly pathetic behavior. It's not cool. And also it's super pathetic. Yeah. Yeah. And for the record, my childhood was full of addiction, abandonment, an incarcerated father, incarcerated mother. Dead father, dead mother. You get the point. I was trying to think about why I keep gravitating towards stories like this. Sure. Towards people like Andy Perro, Kyle Odom, people that just break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People that misremember things. People like Kathy O'Brien, Bryce Taylor. Well, you know. But before you go any further, we don't know. Apart from Kyle Odom, I don't know how much the rest of them believe about anything they say at all. Mm-hmm. I really don't. Um, I think people like that might be preying on people like Kyle Odom. I think you know Kathy O'Brien's a victim of Mark Phillips. Sure. But that I'm not sure what she had to say is a product of that. Yeah. She's absolutely a victim of that dude. 
Yes. But I don't know if that's the way that story manifested or if she had... uh, In any case, there are a lot of people who do believe in that who end up... Absolutely. Like, recovering these repressed memories of these awful things that have happened to them and they incorporate that into their story about themselves and fully fucking believe it. Yeah. And I fully believe that there's an alternative reality where I internalize that I'm a broken and bad person and that I'm different from everyone else because of the torture that I went through growing up and that I was born to be a mentally ill, drug-addicted criminal just like my parents. Sure. Right? There's a reality where I don't take ownership of any of that and of the bad shit that I've done, and I just blame it all on being programmed by the government because (laughs) I was born into a Jewish Freemason family that subjected me to childhood sexual abuse. Sure. That's how I could have dealt with a less than satisfactory family experience and a childhood full of trauma. I could have easily, especially as someone diagnosed schizoaffective. That's exactly what might have happened if I didn't choose to deal with these fractured aspects of myself and admit that I'm wrong often and admit that bad stuff has happened to me and it's not really anyone's fault because my parents were just people too and so were theirs and we're all just kind of fucked up. Yeah, I, and I mean that's so that that's why I, I gave that caveat because I I think people like Casbolt and Andy Perro and all this shit. Well, I mean Andy Perro is also fucking nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Is. Yeah. But I also think that they prey on our fucking Mark Phillips, right, and James exactly. Casbolt. I think they prey on people who could go down that that road, and I I, I just want to like keep delineating that like I think they're two separate types of people. Yes. Right. I think that James Casbold is exactly where he deserves. Yeah, fuck this guy. Because, like, he is a man who has a degree of intelligence and charisma. Clearly. And absolutely fucking squandered it by pretending to be someone he's not and never facing the truth. And he'd done it since he was a kid, trying to limp around pretending to be like Tupac. He wanted to be someone important and impressive and to gain people's attention and admiration and he wanted to be Commander Casbolt and the mission failed. And I believe he started out not believing any of this stuff at all. And he only ever engaged with it because it gave him a social benefit with people like Barry King and with the social community. It gave him friends and people to admire him for the first time in his life. People that thought that he was cool. Yeah. You know? And then once he married someone that he met through the secret agent persona, lived with her, had a son with her, the mask couldn't come off again at that point. He had to be Commander James Casbolt 24-7. You know, he couldn't break that now. He had to live the lie fully, and he couldn't. Yeah, that's why he fucking flamed out. Yeah. 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 I I mean, I know. Yeah. I do think he always knew it was a mask, though. Yeah. He always knew it was a lie. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, these people who think that they've been through these trauma-based mind control programs, stuff like Project Mannequin, Project Monarch... I think that these are people that have splits in their psyche, maybe ones that they're fully aware of. They have these false identities that they create. Yeah. Consciously. Yeah. Which is still bizarre and unhealthy. And it's like, no, the government didn't give them disassociative identity disorder to make them a Manchurian candidate and assassinate people. They learn to disassociate and distort reality because they're traumatized and they can't face the truth. And that certainly doesn't give these people a pass on their behavior. But the level of self-delusion required to let this become the story of your life, like, what the fuck? 
You know, it takes a lot of snowflakes before the avalanche happens, you know? Yeah. And I, I fully understand growing up with a stigma and a, a chip on your shoulder and feeling like you're damaged goods and feeling unsafe in the world and, and wanting to be safer and wanting to create a false identity that you can wrap around yourself and feel special with. But this whole rewriting your past to make yourself a superhero shit, it doesn't work on me. And it really shouldn't work on anyone listening to this. It's really fucking stupid. It's incredible. Yeah, it's incredibly stupid. I mm, I feel like, and tell me to shut up if I step out of line. You have a, a degree of sympathy for these stories that I don't have. Mm-hmm. And I think I have a different interpretation of some of this stuff than you do. And to me, I'm, I, Shoot, I almost me. like, I, I feel like I'm just trying to find the, the clear way of say it. Like, I feel like I see a micro version of the same thing that allows these people to prey on the people they do. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, about that? Yeah. Like it's the, ta- they are crafting the story to get sympathy from the people who are likely to believe this trauma-based mind control stuff because of everything you just said. Right. Right. That's the story they've created. And like, and it's specific, like, I really don't trust Kathy O'Brien. <laughs> I just, I just don't. I mean, I know Mark Phillips is a piece of shit, but there's, there's something there. I, I feel like I, I have a lot less sympathy for her than many other people do. Maybe it's just because I haven't read it. Um, I just see it as another one. Yeah. But but yeah, like I think these fuckers are just like I think they just hate other people so much that they don't care about the story. They don't care about how it looks. They don't care that it's their legacy because they're fucking nihilists. Like they they only manipulate. That's just what they do. Mm -hmm. Um, And yet, if you take yourself outside of that, because it's not just about the figures themselves, like. The Kathy O'Brien, right. James Casbolt. It's about the people that then go on Biblioteca Pleiades. That's what, that's what I'm, it's that's what I'm saying. It's about the people that yeah. watch the Bases Project. It's about the people that watch all of this shit and then start thinking, well, gee, I I can't really remember kindergarten. Exactly. Maybe I was pulled out of kindergarten and, and taken away to these weird places. I have vague memories of, of going to these exactly. odd buildings exactly. with white walls. I have weird memories of being pulled away from class into a room where I had headphones put on my head and had to watch a weird screen. Exactly. I mean, we were t- we talked about this in um, the bonus episode a little bit right. about the uh, the the gifted education program because, like, as I've said, like covering some of these, like especially like uh, Andy Perro and fucking um, goddamn Kyle Odom, like you, know, I've never felt like I was in danger of walking down those streets, but I've walked past them. Yeah. Right. Like. And I think like fucking a lot of people have like a lot of sane people have come pretty close to right. crazy, right? That's why I'm so interested in these stories because I fully recognize that this could be me. I could have been a person that read this shit and internalized yeah. it. Yeah. Because I, well, unfortunately, other- I understand why it's appealing to some people. Well, yeah, and because the other thing, like as you brought up at the at the at the beginning of the episode, like the mythological themes and shit, and also yeah. like you know this is. How do you deal with your dad dying? How do you deal with like all this shit? You know, James Casbolt, he decides, you know, my story is that actually the world is against me and I'm a great guy. And even though I know I'm lying, I'm never going to back down from the lie. Right. Yeah. Because the lie works. The lie gets me what I need to get. And that's like the. It's his armor. The circuit that he's learned. You know? Yeah. Well, because it's fucking 
dad was a gangster. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, organized crime is a fucked up thing. Oh yeah. Growing up in that is like that. It's a fucked up. It's not good, fellas. Right? Like it's not. It's not happy, fun time with the boys. No. Like, <laughs> no. It doesn't really sound not. like James had a great childhood. Um, yeah, no, it's a fucked up thing that'll do fucked up things to your head. Uh, what do we think about the world in relationship to spinning, this? Man, like it's it's this because it's, the world is a very positive card. I think it, you know, it is it it is what it is. The world is the world. Right? Yeah, the world is the trump of Saturn. You know, and like in, uh, astrologically, like the last planet in classical astrology, that circles everything. It rings it. It's the whole. It's 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 the question, right? Right. When you see the world in a reading, it's. It's the whole thing. It's, yeah. it is what it is, but like in a cosmic sense, right? You know, and this is, you know, so this is just some fucking liar <laughs> who uses these old ass tropes just recycled for the modern age. He picked his place in the world. Keeps on going and there's going to be another one that dips into the fucking well and there's going to be another one. And there's going to be, and a thousand years from now, it'll look something different, but it'll be the same fucking thing. Yeah. It is, they might still hate the Jews. I don't know if that'll ever change. It hasn't yet, but it'll be some, it won't be deep underground military bases. It'll be fucking, it'll be something else. It'll be cloud men. I, who knows? Yeah. Um, no, it'll probably still be underground. It'll just straight up be the worm people. Oh It'll yeah. all merge and it'll just be the worm people. Mm-hmm. The worm parasites. Yeah. 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 But like human size. Cause they found uh, a God emperor of Dune once. And yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. My God. Yeah. And it's, it's just how it goes. There's always going to be. Wacky shit you fucking hear about and people that just like, there's always been weird fucking thought routes you can go down. Right. And, and uh, I love um like the wreath in the world yeah. tarot card because it's that it's like a symbol of infinity. You know, it's a circle. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, no beginning or end. It's the world. It's the snake eating its own tail. Uh, yeah. The, just keep going. Just keep. It just keep going. It does. And it is generational trauma. It is this dude like that's a big part of it and that the archetypes tapped into by the super soldier shit are these fucking universal uh stories for the downtrodden and abused and shit yeah it's like in in these stories there's this kink in it which is the mk ultra kink right right like which it like i'll be talking about something related to this in a couple episodes but there's that there is this kink of the modern age that like fucks these stories up beyond what they were before right and it's it's this it gives them this like hyper importance, mm-hmm. a hyper reality that I don't think was there before fucking MK Ultra and the nuclear bomb. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that that I you add that mythology shit together with MK Ultra and the nuclear bomb. Mm-hmm. And you get mythology that can just fucking break you. Yeah. Um it's real dumb. Don't believe this shit. Yes. It's so fucking <laughs> stupid. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. God damn it. I get so angry every time I hear one of these stories though. You know? Mm-hmm. It's so dumb. Yeah. Well, there's another one for you. Fuck. They just hope, keep hope coming. I you enjoyed that one. This is its whole own world too that I don't like because I know that it's there's the, more stories in it's there. It's a world. That's for sure. Just like the tarot card. God damn it. All right. All right. Well, that'll do her for you. If you like what we do here, please do give us a five-star rating. We would really love that. We'd love it. Leave us a review. We are at the we're at the point where if we advertised on the show, I could pay my rent with telling jokes. But we're not doing that. We would never. Never say never. 
I might need to pay rent one day. Okay. You can stop that from happening. You're going to patreon.com slash nonsense bizarre. Five dollars a month, get bonus episodes, join Discord. And uh yeah, no, we're never gonna advertise because I don't like it. I would prefer not to. I'd prefer not to. That's a weirdly like sad and aggressive Patreon pitch. <laughs> we won't let it linger too long. I'm just tired. Yeah. <laughs> it was a long episode. Yeah. Uh, go to patreon.com slash nonspecifar. Support the show. $5 a month. All right. We appreciate your listenership so very much. Please do take care. Take care of yourself. Take don't, care of each other. Don't join Spanish drug gangs. <laughs> <laughs>